after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Well, hello there. Welcome to After These Messages. You know this podcast. It's the one where we talk about TV commercials. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. Shut your mouth and say goodnight, mouth breathers. That is rude. My name is Andrew Walsh, and I am here with Genevieve Has, and we're your co-hosts today. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. So it is uh, tax season. Maybe you've seen more and more of those um, Statue of Liberties on the street corners. Dancing their faces (laughs) off. Dancing their faces off, trying to get you to come in and have somebody do your taxes for you, I like uh, the one. I like the ones where it's like a you know, like an elderly Asian woman, and she's like got the sort of like half-ass green robe, yeah. barely just dragging just in the Seattle mud, in, just dragging in the mud, like half-assedly rotating the sign because you know they don't get paid if they don't move the sign. Right, right. I, I actually prefer the people who half-ass it more than the people <laughs> who are really, really into it because I don't like if I'm stopped at a, a traffic light and there's one of those Statue of Liberty. Tax. Uh, what, would, what do you call somebody who stands on the street corner? Sign waiver. Sign waiver. Um, if they're really getting into it and they're really doing a routine, and I'm, I, you know, they're right in my line of sight, I feel mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. As you, I am uncomfortable in a lot of situations. I feel like I should be doing something to appreciate their performance, and I don't know exactly what to do. I just want to get out of the situation. Yeah, we should, you should just drive around with like a bag full of flowers. So you could just like throw one. <laughs> Wait, throw a flower? Yeah, like as a you know, like to a bullfighter. Yeah. I like it. Maybe I'll start doing that. Um, all right. Well, anyway, it's not just the sign waivers that want you to buy their goods and services, or in this case, services. There are plenty of TV commercials uh, trying to get us to either – I guess there's two things they're trying to get us to do. Either sign up for a company that will do our taxes for us or sell us a product that will make it easier for us to do our taxes ourselves, yeah. right? And that's what we'll be talking about today, those commercials. Plus, I'm not bragging – I've been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote lately. I think we've been watching a lot of Murder, We have, but you go to bed and I watch a couple more <laughs> episodes. Um, the, it's not just the Hallmark Channel I've been watching. It's so the Hallmark. So you're like Hallmark. 75% better at solving crimes in Cabot Cove, Maine than <laughs> That's me. right. By the way, okay, quick aside, we have been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote. And, like, 90% of the crimes she's solving are not even in Cabot Cove. She's always, like, on some farm somewhere. I know, but I think that we've been, like, stuck in some sort of marathon of episodes that were set elsewhere. Maybe. Anyway, during my Murder, She Wrote marathon, I've been noticing... An ad campaign, unlike any ad campaign I've ever seen before, I'll get into it later because I start talking about it now, like it'll just dominate the rest of the show. Game over, man. Game over. (laughs) Game over. So I am going to introduce you guys to what I think is one of the more bizarre commercials. The first time I saw this, you were asleep, Veeves, and I was like on my like third episode of Murder, She Wrote, and I almost woke you up. I wanted you to to see it. And of course, later on, we're going to check in with the ad council. Veeves, one of the uh, letters we got from a listener that you're most excited about... uh, is just chock full of dazzling details about none other than Colonel Sanders. This guy had like the craziest life that I have ever heard of. And I can't, I'm going to go into more detail than you need, but less detail than you'll want. Uh, That's my role. (laughs) (laughs) I would say watch yourself on that. All right. First though, let's do our taxes. Floyd doesn't believe he can get his taxes done for nothing. So we brought in Dr. Michio Kaku to explain exactly what we mean by nothing. Nothing is the absence of something. Zero is absolutely nothing. So it costs nothing? Well, it costs you zero, which is nothing. Nothing. All right. File for free with Intuit <laughs> TurboTax. All right, that's one of a whole bunch of similar commercials in this new campaign from TurboTax, Veeves. Give us a lowdown. TurboTax is uh, probably the leading product that offers you uh, software to do your taxes, software by which you can do your your own taxes. You don't have to pay a professional to prepare your taxes for you. Um, When I was coming up, you just got a form from the library. I'm still coming up. When I was growing up and I was first learning to do my taxes – you know, you went to, I don't know, a government building, like a library or something, and you got, uh, you know, your ten your 1099-EZ, and you did, or was it your 1040? I don't know. 1040-EZ. Okay, your 1040-EZ, 
And you filled it out with a pen and a pencil, and that was how you did your taxes. Now, if you were rich or had complicated finances, obviously people have been going to tax preparers for years. But the um, the software that lets you e-file uh, is is you know new within my lifetime mm-hmm. at least. Um, but certainly. Uh, TurboTax is probably the best known. Um, I use Tax Act. Uh, I'm not going to endorse them because I did my taxes today and it was not a pleasant experience. Are you done already? Well, as I told you after I finished filing them, there's probably an equal chance that either I am defrauding the government or that the government is defrauding <laughs> me. And I feel like it's a, you know it's a push. <laughs> well, it's a risky push. Yeah. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> Sue me for what? Well, prob- <laughs> audit, audit me. Probably audit me for thousands what? of dollars, potentially. <laughs> Do you think that there are any auditors listening right now? Do you think that big government is listening? I doubt it. If you are, I mean, we're trying to get new listeners, so, I mean, hopefully. What if we just had one new big listener? That's it's called, called the, the government. It's <laughs> called the IRS. The government. The government's listening. So, we have been talking about, you and I, alone, when we're not behind microphones, have been talking about these TurboTax commercials for a while now. They've been rolling for for several months, and a I'm, long time yeah, actually, well sure, before tax season started. Yeah, pretty sure it's a new campaign this year, and it's a whole series of ads like that where it's some person who's just kind of almost half acidly doing their taxes. And some of the commercials, like this yeah. next one, we're going to play. A guy is just like filling up his above ground pool in one hand he's got a hose the other hand he's got his uh, smartphone he's clearly like kind of looking at his tax application his turbo tax app and i think they're trying to indicate that like you know doing taxes does not have to be that hard it's the same thing as watching a yeah, youtube video you, you are know smart enough it. or and or our software is simple enough that you don't need to pay h&r block or a cpa or somebody to do your taxes for you and so the the concept that they use is they bring in these um, renowned intellectuals and and scholars and have them answer very you know sort of look at the app and answer a question that any 5 year old could answer like did you buy a house this year and then they they look at the tax the person who's doing his taxes and say, well, did you buy a house this year? And the person says, yeah. And then they go, well, then check yes. Well, let's hear, let's let's play one more of these. There's a whole host of them, but let's play one more. This is a good one. This is the one with the guy standing by his pool. And in this case, the, the genius who comes to help him with his taxes is a guy named George Smoot. Before you start, I just want to yeah. say that visually, I think this is, is sending some interesting signals here. It's a guy in um, a sort of, you know, He's dressed very casually, t-shirt, jeans, schlubbly, you schlubbly might say. in a hoodie, yeah. uh, and he's pouring. He's putting water from a hose into an above-ground pool. So this is clearly sending a lot of signals in terms of kind of, uh, I think, uh, income and class and like mm. who is their target audience here. Oh, you're right. The you know what? Because I grew up in an above-ground pool family, I always forget that above ground pools are kind of class markers. I've learned that in, in several other shows that I've co-hosted. People keep telling it to you. <laughs> yeah, people are always kind of like, you know, an above ground pool, good people, but a certain class well, of people. Well, you know, salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. So this is this guy uh, filling up his pool and doing his taxes. Meet Tim Mahoney. Tim thinks you need to be some sort of mastermind to do your own taxes. So we flew in mastermind George Smoot to help him. Okay, what does it say there? Smoot's a real egghead. It says, did you buy a home? Did you buy a home? Yes. Then I press there. Click. I love, I have to say, I have some problems with these ads. You love them, Andrew. Um, I wouldn't say I love them. Uh, I just think that you have a stronger feeling about it. I think I, I'm forced to be in a position to defend them sometimes. Well, here's, I'll go ahead and make my case. Yeah, please. Um, I, not a case against them. I'll, I'll express my reservations. What I like about the campaign are the actual, the, the normals who are doing their taxes and their reactions to these somewhat... Um, I don't know how to describe the intellectuals who come in. I mean, they're real. They they are real scholars and real, you know, physicists and mathematicians, and they tend to be sort of very uh, heady types of disciplines that they're in. Um, I like the way that the normals respond to these um, somewhat eccentric intellectuals by being sort of like very visibly underwhelmed mm-hmm. by their stating the of the obvious. I like I like that the way they play that. What I don't think is effective about these ads or what I think could be more effective about these ads is that no one thinks that they should ask an astrophysicist or a theoretical mathematician to do their taxes. But a lot of us do think like, boy, you know, when I do my, and I think this every year, when I do my taxes, I get X amount in a refund. But like, 
is there money out there that I could be getting? Like that's, I should, you know, maybe it would be worth my time. We'll talk about this in a second. Maybe worth my time and money to go to someone who does this for a living. Maybe they could like eke some more dollars out of the system for me. Um, I don't think that an, an astrophysicist can do that. I think maybe H&R Block could do that. So I think it would be more effective if they would have actual like CPAs come in and say like, um, hey, uh, do you, should you check here? Yes. You know, or did you buy a house? Yes. Check here. And, you know, and, and then that would really make the point more effectively. Yeah, I agree with you that that would be better. And of course, the reason they didn't do that is because they're tapping people who are who are names that are already kind of famous. Maybe not yeah. everybody in the audience is going to know all these people. As a matter of fact, the only one that I actually recognize is Michio Kaku, who was in that first yeah. ad that we played. He's a he's a famous He's uh, a fairly f- well-known public physicist. intellectual. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one's George Smoot, who we just heard. I had not heard of before. I, I have his uh, bio up here from no the Smoot deal. Group. No big deal. He just won the Nobel Prize. In physics for discovery of the black body form in Anisot. Trippy of cosmic microwave background radiation. Wow, you said that like you discovered it. <laughs> and like you just learned to read. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> and the other ones, um, who, el- who else is in these things? Um, we have somebody named... Maria Chinovsky. Yeah, I kind of like that one. And she comes in and she helps a woman who... I believe a woman is in her kitchen kind of doing some stuff and also doing taxes with one hand on her phone. And then this uh, woman comes in and helps her out. And so I actually agree with you. Conceptually, the ads would be better if it was a tax expert who came in and made it seem like tax experts are useless. Yes. In this case, they're muddying a little bit because they want to take advantage of a campaign where they bring in big names. Sure. And I do think they sacrifice a little bit of something for that. If we were all in the pitch meeting and you you pitched your idea, I would go with yours. But as our commander-in-chief often says... Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You watch these commercials, and I feel like all you see is what they could have been. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like them for what they are, while yeah. I agree that yours could be They're better. entertaining as as media. I like them. Um, and I think it would be worth just playing um, an old uh, TurboTax ad uh, from a different campaign that they did where they had uh, very famous actors like James Lipton or very famous people like James Lipton um, kind of – promoting TurboTax. This is kind of a funny one with uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins that's maybe worth seeing. Maybe. Now, this one isn't old. This was from this year's Super Bowl, I take it? Oh, you know what? It is. I was thinking this was a a, uh, a campaign that predated the uh, the current campaign, but I guess it was running concurrently. Yeah, this one is, uh, let's see. It's a different the, approach. In this one, you have um, Anthony Hopkins um, sitting in like, you know, like kind of a nice drawing room somewhere talking mm-hmm. to a guy who's accusing him of being a sellout. And Anthony Hopkins is explaining that he's not a sellout while drinking from a teacup that is emblazoned with the word TurboTax and wearing slippers that are emblazoned with the logo of TurboTax. I'll hit play. Award-winning actor Sir Anthony Hopkins. Every actor at some point considers selling out. No, I I would never tarnish my name by uh, selling you something. Not at all. Now we see his teacup. Really? No, I simply believe what a man does, what a man says, what a man says another man can do says a lot about a man. By the way, watch for that in future um, commercials that say weird shit like this, because <laughs> I'm probably using that. Now, if I were to tell you to go to TurboTax.com, it's because TurboTax Absolute Zero lets you file your taxes for free. So you're not selling TurboTax? It's free. There's nothing to sell, so I can't be a seller, can I? I love that line. Mm-hmm. Come here, TurboTax.com. <laughs> and then his dog runs in, wearing a TurboTax yeah, sweater. I have way more integrity than that, don't I? It's a good girl, TurboTax.com. <laughs> That's a pretty good commercial, although I have to say, I'm enjoying it more now. You know, I just like watching TV with you, Genevieve, because I'm enjoying it more now watching you laugh at it. When I watched it earlier today, I kind of thought, you know what, this commercial epitomizes the Super Bowl 2016 ads this year, which is it's a big name. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. It's not that inspired, and it's easily forgettable. You know, I think it's because Anthony Hopkins can sell anything. I mean, ironic or or aptly, I guess. Um, When he says, 
you can't be selling out. It's free. I thought that was that a great a line. Ad. And I a mean, also calling the dog TurboTax.com is just hilarious to me. Should we move on to the big competition here, H&R Block? Yeah. So we talked about TurboTax. And we, got, we, we touched a little bit on how there's sort of this dichotomy or this this uh, competition in the in the field of either do your own taxes with our software or you know hire somebody to deal with your taxes and far and away the owner and leader of this category of advertising is H&R Block they have for years owned all of the market space in terms of advertising for tax preparation uh, professionals uh, and they've you've probably seen it um, they found a guy he's actually one of their own he's a real tax guy. He works out of uh, their Los Angeles, one of their Los Angeles offices. Uh, his name is Richard Gartner, I believe. Uh, and he's kind of the, he's the old guy with where, who wears the green bow tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this campaign started in 2014. And it has added, it, just in that year, it added about 4 million new customers. Um, and then they've been updating it year over year. Um, and they, you know, they, he's the one who's the spokesperson for the America Get Your Billions Back. Yes, which is, I mean, that's what we re- re- what we really need to talk about here. Like, it's such an interesting way of looking at taxes. Not, oh, tax season is something to dread, but we will help you get through yes. it. It is instead, hey guys, it's tax season. It's time to cash in. And I think that's such an effective or count. Out. I think <laughs> cash in. I think. Okay. I think it's such an effective uh, message that counters. The, hey, any dummy can do their taxes message because that's my great fear. I do mm-hmm. my own taxes using a, using software because I don't like paying money to a tax pre- preparation uh, company. But I have the sneaking belief or concern that I've left money on the table and that's how they – that's their message. And I think it's a really strong one. And didn't you send along an article? I mean this is something that – I guess they were the – chief creative officer or something from H&R Block was in a meeting and everyone was kind of pitching these ideas like, well, this could be our catchphrase, this could be our catchphrase. And somebody said, it's time to get your billions back. And she was just like, bingo. Uh, like a giant light right. light bulb went on. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, this is an ad campaign that I noticed long before we're doing this this um, podcast because not that the commercials are that great. I mean, in, in practice, the commercials are, you know, relatively pedestrian. They're not super flashy. They're not super brilliant. The brilliance is in just that single thing, changing the way people think about taxes and then associating that with your service. And I misspoke. I think I said Richard Gartner. His name is Richard Gartland. Okay. And he's a a real dude. He's just a real CPA. He still has a LinkedIn page where he's just a tax professional. (laughs) Did he accept your LinkedIn request? I actually thought about making one. You could. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? Well, we're seven degrees of separation right now. Okay. I'm going to play, I think this was, if not the first one, this was uh, the first kind of iconic ad from this campaign from a couple of years ago. It's this guy, Richard Gartner. Gartland. Gartland. He is on an airplane, all strapped in with a parachute and a helmet and everything. And on this airplane, this cargo plane, is uh, stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks. (laughs) America, last year, we did not get you your billion back. We got you your billions back. So many billions, we started thinking, this isn't tax season. This is refund season. And nobody gets more of your money back than Block. Guaranteed. Scores of planes are dropping, uh, you know, cargo container-sized boxes of cash out of uh, the back of the the planes. Whenever I see that money sitting in that plane, I think of that... One of that the scenes in the towards the end of Breaking Bad where they yeah. go into the the uh, storage unit and there's just oh, a pile of cash right. And when I hear that song "Money, Money, Money, Money," it reminds me that if you guys, if anybody wants to send me a thank you note for not using the Beatles "Tax Man" to get into this segment, <laughs> the address is after these messages show at gmail dot com and just put in the subject line "Thank you." Andrew. Um, let's play one more of these, too, because I have something I, I – this is, again, it's not that splashy of an ad. They have added – H&R Block has – to the campaign of, hey, we'll get you your millions back. They're also doing something that some other companies are doing as well, which is actually turning it into a lottery system. Yeah. They're saying, hey, come to us. Not only will we do your taxes for you, but you'll also be thrown into a pot to possibly win $1,000. And that's what this ad is hawking. A 1,000 people will win $1,000 every day at H&R Block. Turbo music. And now it's just like... 
you know, the CPA that you mentioned before, uh, just like making it rain money, and it's a bunch of hip-looking young people who are enjoying that rain of money. There's a hoopty in the background with dollar signs all over it, and this is what I want to get at. You mentioned that he's a CPA in the Los Angeles area, um, somewhere between our old house in Koreatown and um, heading south to the airport to LAX. I passed an H&R block just in kind of a strip mall, and that car was there. Now, I don't know if they have a whole bunch of hoopties like that with mm-hmm. the dollar signs all over the country or if that is the one that was used for this commercial and that's it. And potentially, that could have been this guy's office. Yeah, because that's his personal automobile. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But that could be his office, right? Like, if he is a spokesperson, like, I'm sure he's not actually, like, crunching a lot of people's numbers these days, even though know. he's still a CPA. It's interesting. It'd be interesting to know if he actually does anyone's taxes. I mean, he, what he's got here is clearly a full-time gig. But when you go to his LinkedIn page, it has no reference to his role as a spokesperson or entertainer. I heard if you go to a bar in Baltimore, though, they have his pants hanging <laughs> <up>. <laughs> That was a callback to what, Jake from State Farm? Well, they should put that bow tie up somewhere. Yes, they should. They should put it in a museum. Uh, he actually went to Georgetown University uh, and got his bachelor's in Russian language and literature. Really? And I'm looking at his LinkedIn page now, too. And he uh, he comes by that bow tie on. Honestly, it looks yeah. like that is his own personal style that they just uh, made the bow tie green, huh? Yeah, I think so. That picture of him is so charming. He looks like uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's um, talk about one other company here because we actually have already talked about them without naming them. We talked about the uh, Statue of Liberty people. You see waving signs on street corners to get you to come in. Well, that is for a company called Liberty Tax. And I didn't actually know that they did TV commercials, or at least I couldn't recall any, but you you dug up a couple. I dug up a few. I don't. I assume at some point they have aired on television. They they have an almost local ad feel to them. Yeah. They're, they're pretty poorly made, so it might be something where they do local ad buys or very late at night or channels that we don't typically watch. Um, They remind me of like the sort of uh, General's Insurance or Vern Fonk style auto insurance. They feel very cut rate and the style of the commercial making is this like... um, uh, you know, Erzatz, Cinema Verite, like somebody's crappy life, and then like Liberty Insurance comes in at the last minute to save the day. This ad actually, th- this first one that you found called Don't Do Life Without Liberty Tax actually is, stresses me out. Can yeah. you explain what's happening in here? And I'll play it, but buckle up. Sure. It's it's a it's a messy uh, house, very chaotic. Um, the the harried mom who just looks completely wiped out is trying to cook in the kitchen and her children are busy throwing things at each other and making messes and just generally being terrible kids. And it's, it's just a scene of total chaos. It's really more like an it's like a commercial to get your tubes tied <laughs> more, than, more than a tax commercial. But anyway, let's take a listen. Stop running, guys. No, don't do that. Honey, I need you to help. Get someone else to do it. I need you to clean up now. Mom, wait, I'm busy. Then now! Whoa! Who are now, you? Now, suddenly, just like the street corner wa- uh, sign wavers, a-, a woman pops up magically in her apartment dressed like the Statue of Liberty. I'm here to help. I got this. Are you all ready for some homework? Many of yeah. life's events are also tax events. Don't do life without Liberty. Thank you so much. Anytime. So- now- now her yeah. house is much nicer. The, the the harried mother is like cleaned up. She's got on a nice dress. Her hair is perfectly done. The Statue she's, of Liberty vacuumed for her yeah. and helped the kids with the homework. Toast, and she's toasting with champagne her awesome new life thanks to Liberty Taxes, which I think is um, an improbable outcome. I This next one, I, should we even play it or is it impossible to describe? It's very weird. I think we should try to describe it. I will say that the, the uh, slogan, don't do life without Liberty Tax, makes it sound like you're going to prison. Yes, you're right. Do life. Yeah. Yeah, these are kind of janky all over. They're so janky, but they're also they, they they're janky in that way that like a Vern Funk ad uh is janky in that it's sort of bizarre enough to hold your attention. I, I honestly I don't know how to describe this one. It starts in a, in a wedding chapel, clearly, um, but it's got a kind of horrifying Tim Burton feel right from the beginning. And, and the opening shot is a uh, little flower girl walking down the aisle. 
but all of the petals. But all of the guests are dressed in mourning. Yes, all of the guests are dressed in black. There's like black bunting instead of white on all of the pews. And in the background, are those are those even like Halloween spider webs or something kind of hanging from the wall? Unclear. Unclear. Anyway, it's very it's very Tim Burtony to begin with. We see the bride. We see the groomsmen. People look weirdly sad. Now the groomsmen are chaining up the groom. The bridesmaids, for some reason, are wearing, like, black spiderwebs in their hair. As she's getting married, everything seems to be going wrong. Her, her fiancé is getting chained up. I got this. Oh, it's the Statue of Liberty. And she's unchaining the groom. It's a little unclear what the scenario is that they are trying know. to metaphorically describe. But I guess the idea is if you don't declare that you got married on your taxes or filed file jointly, uh, something you'll go to uh, Tim Burton jail. I don't know. <laughs> you go to the little red waiting room <laughs> in, in uh, Beetlejuice that, and, and you're just there for eternity. Um, I was thinking it maybe had something to do with you don't want to marry into debt. I thought and like that's maybe where it was this going. guy, those were the chains of debt. And by, you know, turning to Liberty Tax, Liberty Tax is just going to clear everything up for you. I guess it's open to interpretation. Um, I guess they just think that if, I guess the idea is that if you are getting married, you should consult your janky tax consultant. I have a feeling that you will agree with me when I say we have spent way too much time on this commercial since we have no idea what the hell is going on. I agree. And uh, let's just move on to our next segment, which is called Best-Selling Author James Patterson. What are you smoking? Bonjour, je m'appelle James Patterson. Ici, private party. How you say murder, sex, murder, sex. Très bon. Read James Patterson's Private Paris. No, private party. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself right now, what the fuck? (laughs) Because that's what I was saying to myself a few nights ago as I was, like I mentioned earlier, relaxed in my tonight pants and watching Murder, She Wrote. And then suddenly this James Patterson commercial comes on TV. Now, I'd always heard of James Patterson. I've never read a book by him. He's like a very, I think he's one of the, if not the, he is definitely one of the best paid authors in the United States right now. He's like number one on dad's nightstands. Dad's? I always thought it was moms. I think I don't know. He's kind of. I think he, the books he writes for adults are uh, murder mysteries. Um, he writes a like. Um, he's got. I don't know them off the top of my head, but he has started a bunch of those um, kind of series that are based on one detective or something right. like that. And I think he's got three or four like best selling series like that. I think he makes more money than almost any other author in the United States. He also has a line of children's books. Well, this one that you just heard is for what looks like a book for the adults, Private Paris. Um, But what you don't know, unless you've been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote, is James Patterson is dressed a little Frenchy. Just it's a blank background. He's wearing a beret, his trademark glasses. It's jauntily uh, askew. It is jauntily askew. Thank you. I always leave out the important details. And he's just holding a copy of his book, Private Paris. Now, if this were the only ad for him... Um, it would still, it would still make me scratch my head, but I, you know, I think it was even within the same commercial break or certainly the next break, I saw another one for one of his kids books, which is called Jackie Ha Ha. The cover of the book is a kid's face. I guess it's a, is it a girl named Jackie? I I guess. Yeah. And she has a, um, big sticky note on her forehead that says, ha ha. And there is James Patterson holding a copy of his book. And he also has a sticky note that says, ha ha on his forehead. And I'll hit play on this. I'm James Patterson. And this is Jackie. Ha ha. Jackie. Ha ha has started mother daughter reading groups everywhere. You and your kids will never forget reading Jackie. Ha ha together. And all, all these moms and daughters are pictured with the ha-ha sticky notes on their foreheads. Except 
the haha sticky notes on those are like graphic clearly, design. Clearly just onto Photoshop. It's really weird. It's like all these weird it looks like stock photography of a bunch yes. of moms and daughters, except they're all holding the a copy of Jackie Haha and they have these fake sticky notes emblazoned on their head um that have been added later in post production. And it just again is this off putting weird thing. And they keep on showing clips of James Patterson's face just looking way too animated. Yeah. Yeah, and so there, there's this one. There's the private Paris. There's I think you know four or five others. There's at least six. And they are they run the gamut from uh, other other books for adults to other, uh, other other books for children. And in every case, it's basically just him in front of a nondescript background doing the read you just heard, the quality of read you just heard. Well, except for the robot one, which we should also play. Yeah, once you play the robot one. But it's such a bizarre marketing campaign. Ha ha. I am laughing at James Patterson's House of Robots. Two kids live with 12 robots. Ha ha. James Patterson is a funny human. This Christmas, get James Patterson's House of Robots. Ha ha. <laughs> well, you said ha ha. I want to play, uh, I think, is this another kid's book? I yeah. think so. Treasure Hunters. In this one, James Patterson is dressed up like a pirate. I don't have to describe it. You know what pirates look like. Arr, I'm James Patterson. If your kids are readers, they'll love treasure hunters. And if they're not, this is the book to get them hooked. Yeah, it's that good. I like treasure the, hunters by James. I like Patterson. the barely legal ripoff of um, the music from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> that was nice. lost on me. It's it's like. Super close. There are tons and tons of these, and I, I was the, oh, there's them, way more than I thought. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this now. There, there are 20 on our favorite website, iSpot TV, which is our commercial website. But I'll bet you there are even more than this. And like I say, we've listened to a lot that are aimed at kids, but a lot of them are not. A lot of them are aimed at um, at adults. Here, I'm going to play one. I just can't stop. I just want to play. They're one so more bizarre. Here. We'll post we'll post this page to the web to the Facebook page. I'm James Patterson. There's a New York police unit that solves the murders of the rich and famous <laughs> nypd red be careful out there read nypd red three i like how it weirdly pauses in front of before the word murders like it's going to be a pun or something yeah but then it it's just deliver. the word <laughs> this is like there's no wordplay or anything is this helping him sell books well, it might be. Here's something about James Patterson that I learned today. Um, he doesn't even really write his own books. This is from a... Oh, uh, he's the Dale Chihuly of writing? Yes. This is from a little uh, article written about him from the British website Express. I'm quoting here. The reason his literary output is so massive at a rate of about one book a month is that in most of his novels, he doesn't do the line-by-line -line writing himself. He produces a treatment of 60 to 80 pages, establishing the plot and characters in detail, then he hires a writer to turn it into a full-length book. He sees their work every couple of weeks, sending it back with notes to speed it up, make it more real, etc. And then the co-writer ends up with a decent billing, although not an equal share of the cash. So is the is the co the co-writer's name? Does it appear anywhere? Yeah, if you look at these commercials, writer? even that Paris one here. Let me see if I can open it for you. See how oh. his name is at the top, but then somebody else's name is smaller at the I bottom. I do see yeah. that. All right, well that so. that makes me somewhat more okay with this whole process, although yeah. it still feels extremely mechanized. The thing is, it doesn't bother me too much because. Listen, there's tons of literature out there, and some of it's good, and some of it's crap. And also right? the things James Patterson turns out, <laughs> which is just indescribable. But I don't think that we need to hold literature on some... As long as he's, you know, clear about it. He's not fooling anybody here. He's not plagiarizing. The other person's name is on here. If you're the type of person who wants to curl up and read Private Paris... And, um, you know, and it's part of a mystery series. I mean, maybe I just have a soft spot in my heart because, you know, me, I went through my Fletch phase. A lot of people don't know that those Fletch movies are actually based on these kind of pulpy kind of books. Um, I can't think of the fellow's name who writes them right now. But, you is know, it McDonald? A, yes, Gregory McDonald is the name. Um, and so, you know, like when you're on vacation or something, you just want to grab some crappy book. And like if, if you like James Patterson or if, like he says in that commercial, your kids start reading because of some James Patterson mystery... I just think there's worse things out there. I just think the commercials are really, really weird. I've never seen – I can't think of another author who advertises their books on television. 
No, I, I can't think of one either. I, I guess there, I'm sure there are examples that we aren't thinking of, but it is not a normal or, or it's not a common way to advertise a book. I have seen books advertised, but certainly never or rarely by the author themselves. Yeah. And this feels so low production. I mean, you know, somebody with an iPhone and a beret could have produced that, which is like, you know... A lot of people have those yeah. tools hey, at their disposal. We trade in your uh, your <laughs> Android phone for an iPhone, and you could be in the uh, commercial making business. That's right. Genevieve. I'm a big beret wearer. You are a big fan of berets. I'm surprised it took us so long <laughs> to get to that part of the conversation. But you know, it, it's so it's so cheaply made, and I guess that's the point: is that it costs nothing to make that. It's basically the cost of having him sit down and do it, and getting the the late night. Um, lifetime Mystery Channel ad buy, yeah. which I assume uh, is not going for a premium. And think about it. I mean, I'm watching a show about a mystery writer who solves mysteries, and then a real-life mystery writer comes on TV and tries to sell me his books about solving mysteries. Yeah. Like, it works. I'm always amazed. Like, it probably works great, actually. If they If it didn't, they wouldn't have made 20 of them. I'm always amazed by how well marketing works, even when it seems very poorly constructed to mm-hmm. me. Um, there's there's just a lot of evidence that just by virtue of remembering that you saw something, no matter how badly created it was, it has value in terms of sales. So it probably works It probably works way better than we would ever guess. All right. Let's uh, check in with the Ed Council. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words saying only the echoes of my mind. Genevieve, you're going to be shocked, shocked, I say, to hear that I had absolutely no part in collecting these emails this week, and I haven't even, I haven't even previewed what you got for That's us. That's okay, because so I've I, got, I've got some good stories to talk about. Good, I'm dying from to hear about it. Uh, I want to start by, and maybe finish by, because there's a lot to unpack here. Um, a Facebook post by listener Edward. Uh, who was following up on some of the stories uh, we've talked about with the uh, rotating or or switching out of the Colonel Sanders, the actor who plays Colonel Sanders for Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sorry, KFC, (laughs) Uh, as they now prefer to be known. Edward posted this really interesting article um, from uh, damninteresting.com. It's called Colonels of Truth. It is all about the life and times of the real Harlan Sanders. I'm going to mention some of these very dazzling details (laughs) Um, but I'm going to post the article to the Facebook page, and I strongly – I think it's, it's – I'll, I'll post it as, as part of our, our weekly uh, roundup of stuff that we talk about. But you can already find it there in the visitor post. Can I ask you one question before we get into the other details? I want to know, was he really a colonel? Well, interestingly, in a way, uh, but not in a traditional way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to kind of walk through uh, the, what really stood out to me and what is a very long article um, – uh, but I think are like sort of the highlights here. So <laughs> he was born um, in like the late 1800s, um, and he basically was like born in this sort of like poor white uh, family, and he dropped out of school at 12, I think had a stepfather who who was pretty abusive and ran away from home at 13, tried to join the, the army at 16. That's not how he became a colonel, okay. because he was kicked out when they found out he was only 16. Um, he had a bunch of jobs, um, and he worked as a railroad fireman, uh, where he likes like that's a shoveling coal on a train kind of job. Um, and this <laughs> this really stuck out to me, and it made me think of you, Andrew. He was obsessed with cleanliness, and you think of him in his white suit, right? Yeah. I can't think of a dirtier job besides maybe actual coal mining. Yeah, that's a good point. Than, sh- than shoveling coal, but he would dress. Uh, in white overalls and white cotton gloves, and he would claim that at the end of a day of shoveling coal, he wouldn't have a spot on him. <laughs> well, then not, so either hilarious. he's a liar or a horrible fireman, or an excellent fireman. <laughs> um, he was constantly brawling. He lost his fireman job really? from brawling, and then he and then he tried to be a lawyer, and he lost that job for brawling in the courtroom. What? And also, the cleanliness doesn't jibe with what I think of as a brawler. Well, I feel like you have the neat people over here, and you have the people who are ready to get literally and figuratively in the mud over here. He was a man of very strong convictions. He was um, adamantly opposed to alcohol, a strong temperance advocate. And so um, he he would just get in brawls with people for basically any perceived infraction. God, he was getting in sober brawls. <laughs> um, so then he moved in. Then this is around the time that, like, you know, uh, cars were becoming more 
uh, widely used. And he started running a Shell oil station. He always sort of had an eye on the main chance. And at one point, um, he got into a gun battle. Him and some other Shell oil like uh, employer, like owners, got into a visit, like a bang bang gun battle with a rival gas station owner. They he Colonel Sanders, Harlan Sanders, shot this guy that they were fighting with. Uh, the guy survived. The guy who he shot killed one of the guys Colonel Sanders was with. What? what and he year went to prison. This? this was in like the nineteen. 19- 30s i think or maybe the 1920s i guess this is probably more like the 1920s um so in the 1930s so this is how he gets the recognition of colonel so in his little town wherever it was i think it was maybe corbin kentucky uh he was actually kind of a man about town like he he actually would like go deliver food to the poor and as i you know he was very active in his community in somewhat maybe intrusive ways you might argue but he was very active in the community, and um, he actually ended up midwifing somebody's baby. Um, so and his suit was 100% and his, spotless and his afterwards. suit was spotless. you got to read this article. It's written in a very um, colorful way. Should we give credit? Did you say that it's from a, a website called damninteresting.com? Yeah, damninteresting.com. Uh, I will post the link, but, but it is on, uh, on our visitor post page. Um, so... In recognition of his midwifery work, his food donations, and his regular shuttling of townsfolks to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, the Kentucky governor, uh, Ruby LaFoon, which, P.S., Ruby (laughs) LaFoon commissioned Harlan Sanders as a Kentucky colonel, which is the highest title of honor bestowed by the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So hence, he becomes a colonel. It's also one of the most in the like Army of Kentucky, I guess. Physically painful things you can do to another kid on a playground, I believe, is give him a Kentucky Colonel. <laughs> I think. Um, so then, the, now we haven't even gone to chicken, right? Like you, I haven't even yeah. said the word chicken or racism, because this all started because I forgot that Colonel Sanders was a real guy, yeah. and I had mentioned to you in an earlier show. I said it's it's funny because they're talking about potentially having an African American step into the role of Colonel Sanders, and I said that's funny because when you see somebody kind of dressed like that from that era from the South, you it's almost like a stand-in for racism or the racist old south and then you said well we can't impugn this guy he was a real person we have no idea what his deal with race relations and i actually still don't and nothing in this article one way or the other suggested that you know he was ever he was ever involved in anything unsavory like that um i mean you know america was a very racist place in that time i'm sure that he wasn't you know any better than he should be but who knows uh anyway He'd been married all this time. He got married as a pretty young man to a woman named uh, Josephine. He and his wife, Josephine, opened uh, like a sort of down-home restaurant, a lot of like ham and biscuits and stuff. Weirdly, they didn't actually serve that much chicken because he was busy tinkering with what he wanted the perfect – he had this very clear idea in his mind of what the perfect chicken recipe would Mm. be. So he wouldn't serve it because it wasn't perfect. Um, At some point during this period, he convinced his wife to hire a woman named Claudia Price – who he had a thing for, and then she quickly became his mistress and was like also working at the restaurant. You have a photo here on <laughs> the I'm show gonna page, post it on the page. <laughs> which is um, disturbing and interesting and a little bit titillating of an old Colonel Sanders. I'm going to say he's about 70 years old here. And there is a woman uh, with almost not a beehive, but a kind of a big bouffant yeah. kind of haircut. I'm guessing this was taken in the mid-60s. It looks like she might be sitting on his lap and he is feeding her a breaded uh, chicken. And she is A breaded the, piece of chicken. She's giving the camera all she's got, baby. Yes. Now, is that the mistress or that's the wife? Claudia. No, that, that's the mistress. That's the mistress. Yeah. So after 39 years, he divorces Josephine, marries Claudia. Um, and at some point during this period, he also discovered uh, pressure cookers. Uh, and that's how he finally figured out how to cook a chicken, you know, perfectly golden brown in eight minutes and all of his, like all the, the secret herbs and spices. Um, it, then from there kind of goes on to like the, the business of how he went about uh, selling this recipe and franchising the restaurants. And it, it's interesting, but it's a little bit more sort of like the history of the business. And I'd recommend mm-hmm. that you read it. Um, a couple of things that stood out to me is 
he mentored a young Dave Thomas who went on to own a couple of, you know, uh, Kentucky Fried Chickens, but then, of course, more famously went on to found Wendy's. Yeah, that, a lot of parallels. I, I swear that you've mentioned this in the show before, like episodes ago, that you could see a parallel between the um, kind of the, the business owner as spokesman for a fast food chain, yeah. you know? I mean, and both of those guys were in front of the camera. And then as a final weird note about Colonel Sanders, um, in Japan, there's not a lot of turkey, um, and around Christmas time, uh, a lot of expatriates, this is, you know, years ago now, a lot of expatriates, uh, wanted to get turkey dinners, but it was sort of hard to find turkey there. So they started going to, um, Kentucky fried chickens, which Japan did have. Oh. And, uh, it became such a popular thing in Japan that now going to uh, Kentucky fried chicken at Christmas is a real tradition there. And a lot of Japanese KFCs have like the big statue of Colonel Sanders, like a life-size statue of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> really? And he's almost like a Japanese Santa Claus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those are a lot of dazzling details. And I didn't even, I mean, that's like 10% of the dazzling details. Wow. Well, this thanks. article is basically 100% dazzling details. Thanks for sending that in, yeah, Edward. Yeah, Edward, thank you so much. Oh, uh, before I forget, um, I wanted to send a, a, say another thank you and also a correction, issue a correction to uh, listener Eamon, who I mispronounced as Eamon last week and also misidentified as a gentleman. So Eamon, thank you so much uh, for sending in that story about um, singing the far- We Are Farmers jingle uh, during your games of Catan in Japan. We are farmers. And by the way, uh, I do know another person named Eamon. This is a fella, though. He's an engineer at a radio station I used to work at. So when you were saying Eamon, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, that might be Eamon. But I also wasn't sure. So anyway, that was a useless thing that I said. Good story. Are there any more emails? Yeah. Or should we just end on that high note? No, I got a couple more. Um, I wanted to thank listener Carly, who sent in a commercial for Optus, which is an Australian telecom company. Um, and this is an uh, – I think this was – she sent this in kind of on the heels of the commercials that make us feel the feels we talked about last week. Oh, yeah. And this one, uh, no kidding, made me feel the feels. Um, why don't you give it a play and I'll, I'll kind of narrate it because it's – I can't remember now if there's audio that explains what's happening. Oh, okay. This is – I um, I have not seen this. Oh, no. You might I feel got some th- feelings. I got, I got through an episode without crying. Are you serious? We're going to have to do this now? So we see a bunch of musicians – uh, sort of boating out to the middle of uh, the ocean with their instruments, a bunch of like orchestral instruments. Now they're all on a big uh, sailboat and they're on a big like raft out in the middle of the ocean. It's a whole orchestra. And they're playing whale songs. And underneath the raft, are giant tubes with speakers that are shooting the, playing the whale songs into the water. And you're hearing, they're hearing the, the whales are starting to hear the whale songs. And now the whales are showing up. And it's so amazing, the idea that we could talk to the whales with instruments. And a big breach, and all the musicians stand up in awe, and it's pretty great. What is this for? It's for a telecom company. I have no idea what we're supposed to buy well, or do. I don't want to buy anything that's <laughs> sold or processed. Um, well, I mean... When it it's com- a, when, yeah. So sorry. When it, I guess their their slogan is that uh, when it comes to technology, anything is possible. Yeah. And it's you know it's clearly a, a way of communicating, right? Yeah. So I mean, a telecom company, that fits with it. That does not make me um, sad. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder, did... Are we supposed to believe this is something that they actually did experiment with and did that work? I mean, clearly that – I don't believe that a bunch of people dressed in their Sunday best went out there on a barge. Oh, as ever. Andrew doesn't believe oh, do you anything think that, really no, happened. Tell me that it did. I'm just curious. I thought – you know, I figured at best it's a recreation of maybe something that people did do with like speakers or stuff. Do you think that we're supposed to believe that that literally happened? Well, I don't know. I mean, was it all just faked? I just assumed it was. I I don't feel betrayed, and I'm not trying to throw any kind of negativity on it. I thought it was real, but I mean, you know. Either way. I thought the moon landing okay. happened. 
Well, either way, maybe it maybe it is real. I don't want every every goddamn podcast I work on. I have to be the guy that everybody thinks. Oh, he's negative. He doesn't think anything is real. I'm not, I I didn't know I was supposed to believe that actually happened. That it was uh, like a documentary. <laughs> but if it is, I still think it's really cool. But it doesn't make me emotional. I guess is what I'm I'm saying. It's it's really cool. It's fascinating. I don't know. I just thought it was very effective. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to turn this into. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to turn everything into a fight. Although it does make for good podcasting. Um, all right, just one more, all and right. this is from um, listener uh, at Rosencal, uh, who tweeted at me, and that's at semicolon. Um, and she asked if um, this Windows 10 commercial called The Bug Chicks was awesome or arachnophobia-inducing. And I've seen this commercial before, um, and it never occurred to me that it would actually freak people out. But now that I look at it, it actually is kind of um, maybe upsetting if bugs and spiders bother you. Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Jess. And we are the Bug Chicks. We're a nano business. Windows 10 really helps us get the word out about how awesome bugs are. Kids learn to be brave and curious, and all kids Ugh. speak the language yeah, of Yeah, they're holding these huge Find live bugs on their hands, and they're crawling all over them. So <laughs> they like a million legs. A oh, God, it's a big furry spider. I don't have a touchscreen on my Mac. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> you put a big bug in a kid's hands and change their worldview. Yeah, to horror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they'll never get involved with the science. <laughs> Thanks, Microsoft. Um, yeah, I, I, until Rosen Cal uh, sent that to us, uh, I hadn't really given that one much thought, but it, it is maybe a little polarizing. Oh, yeah. We're actually doing okay for time. Do you want to squeeze in one more since we have the opportunity? Yeah, since we have time, let's talk about this one ad. Uh, it's a PSA that uh, listener Krista sent in. She's following up on the those ads we talked about that freaked us out. Those PSAs, like the ones for seatbelt wearing, oh yeah, or you know, um, uh, just like horrifying uh, uh, forest fire PSAs. And she wrote that conversation made me think of this anti drug ad that I saw as a kid about meth. For one, it's pretty freaky as it should be because meth is a horrible drug. But still, seeing a girl pick and scratch at her face is alarming, especially to a kid. Secondly, the acapella song narrating the visuals is not only catchy, but harmonized. Change the words and it could be a toothpaste jingle. I would get this song stuck in my head for days as a kid and can still sing along to it uh, 15 years or so later. And I love that idea of like, just she's just like walking along humming like the math oh. jingle. And it is a hell of a catchy jingle. Oh, you know so me. I love a jingle. And, you know, I love math. So let's take a listen to this. Look at me, busy as a bee. What? Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, what? Man. Man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, <laughs> man. Man. Get these hairs all out of my Meanwhile, this like meth adult girl is like scratching her face and frantically cleaning. Oh, she's scratching her skin off. <laughs> Wow, yeah. so it's interesting. It's like a, a it's a like a parody ad almost. Like it's an ad for meth, only it shows how awful it is. Right. That is amazing. Yeah. I've never seen that before. So thanks, listener Krista. I w- I wonder where Krista grew up. Does that feel local to you? No, but I wonder if I didn't see it because I didn't grow up specifically in a in a oh, meth addled yeah. area. But I know there are certain parts of the country, and of course, um, growing up, meth wasn't one of the danger drugs yet. It, that was a little bit later. I'm a little bit old for yeah, that. That's true. Um, but that is that's a hell of an ad. And yeah, the Ooh, meth. Yeah, I know it's really catchy. I know. I kind of like it. You can sell anything. All right, Vives, let's call it a show. Uh, How can people get a hold of us to send us these sweet, sweet emails? Well, as you heard, uh, you can hit us up on almost any platform. Uh, Email is after these messages show at Gmail or on Facebook at after these messages show. Uh, You can tweet at us. I'm at semicolone. Andrew, you are at Andrew underscore. Walsh. I said it for clarity, not because I was trying to remember it on the fly. <laughs> we also have a voicemail line. Send us a voicemail or leave us a voicemail. 607-444-5597. 607-444-5597. Also, Genevieve, I'm starting to get a little, little, I mean, just a little bit of jealousy creeping in. 
given your relationship with a listener via the iTunes review yes, platform. Our, what is going on with you? Our ever-changing iTunes reviewer has struck again. Thank you. I love it. Um, you got, uh, Thank you for the five stars, but I need you to downgrade us again because I'm having too much fun. <laughs> thank you to everyone who left um, such warm and positive um, iTunes reviews. We love getting them. They mean really so much to us. So keep them coming, and we'll talk to you next week. Pakistan, Karachi, Posse, Zaki's poppy. Uh, Red octagons couldn't stop me. I burn headband, my eyes all droopy. I've gooey foodie, zoobies in my poopy. They all like, well, he's.